Welcome. Today's topic is grief and breathing. After dropping the kids off at their dad's house, I returned home to an empty house. The house that was just moments ago filled with laughter and the smell of sugar cookies was now deafening quiet. I grabbed the broom and started sweeping the green and red cookie sprinkles off the floor just to do something. But this time, nothing could stop the house from feeling like a deserted ghost town. So I lay the broom down, sat on the floor, and I cried. Divorce had me broken in the most profound way. Welcome to the Breathe Better podcast. I am your host, Sienna Smith. I'm a certified yoga therapist with a private practice in the San Francisco Bay Area. I have used yoga and breathing as a healing tool, working with clients and groups and one-on-one for two decades. I'm so glad you're here and thank you for joining me. Stay to the end for a special breathing practice that can help process the grief we hold in our hearts and our bodies and bring us closer to a place of acceptance and peace. In this episode, I will share how the breath can support us through the grieving process and how it can hold us in our darkest moments. I will share more about the process of grief, the six things that can happen in our body during times of grief, and the six things everyone can do to support themselves through it. And then I'll lead a supportive breath practice. Now back to the story. This was my first Christmas after my separation from my husband of 14 years, and it was a killer. I was on the ground crying. I was grieving the loss of my family, not being with my children for the first Christmas since the separation. I wasn't emotionally prepared for the emptiness, for the grief, for the loss that I felt so starkly that day and for the entire year that followed. There was one thing that constantly came to my rescue. It was the breath. The breath was always with me. And when I think back, it really became such a trusted friend. The breath work didn't really stop the grief from rearing its messy, snot-filled, blurry-eyed head. But it did help me to surf the waves of emotion that often came without warning. I learned how to breathe and be with sensations and how to allow the feelings and eventually move the energy so it didn't feel so overwhelming. It took time. It took training. It took a lot of love and patience to navigate the choppy waters of grief's messy and unpredictable way, but it can be done. If you're grieving now or you know someone who is using these breathing practices at the end of the podcast can really support you. Also, get any help and support you need from therapists, doctors, good friends, anybody who you trust that can help. Don't grieve without support. That is key to making it through. And we all grieve at one time or more in our lives. It's a normal part of life. And the deeper and more that we love, often the more it hurts. There are two ways that grief can go. We can either be overwhelmed by grief and flooded with emotions that we just can't shake. And the sadness and the pain are so incapacitating that it makes it difficult to move through our day. Or we lock our grief and store it in our body for processing later. But either way, there are tools to working with the energy that's stuck and holding us back or overflowing the dam and drowning us in sorrow. When we are grieving, the breath becomes very shallow. And sometimes we even hold the breath without realizing it. That's what I remember so much. 
I would be holding my breath and bracing and trying to keep the wave at bay. You know, the body contracts in protection and the chest tightens and the belly hardens and all kinds of things happen, which I'll talk about later in the podcast. This is a natural protection mechanism to hide from danger until it's safe to feel. Our bodies naturally try to shut down the emotion of grief so we don't become incapacitated or overwhelmed. And that makes us feel vulnerable to attack from the outside. But once we are in safety of our homes or even in our car by ourselves or with a therapist, we need to encourage the breath to help us be with the grief and move it through our body so eventually we can move on. We need to find a safe way to feel the energy and move with it, not against it. The breath can help us enormously in this process. Grief can sneak up on us. It can return after years of being dormant. We can think we are done with the grief only for it to return in the most unexpected ways. When I was in my mid-20s, I went to my first yoga class at the local YMCA in San Diego. I had just graduated with a biology degree and I was so exhausted from the rigorous study. The instructor we had had us take child's pose and breathe. Within a minute, tears were flowing down my face. I kind of was in shock and I was a little bit embarrassed, but I kept coming back because I knew I needed to be with this pain that I'd been holding. That actually led to one of the most profound healing times in my life. Whether grief is triggered from a loss of a loved one, a divorce, a loss of a job, a home, a friend, it's a natural part of life. It does mean that we loved and that we cared and that we connected to someone or something so much that when it's not there, we feel the space that it left. Writer Emily Dickinson, the poet laureate of Love and Loss, of the interplay between the two, she penned this after receiving news of her dear friend's death. Each that we lose takes part of us. A crescent still abides, which like the moon, some turbid night is summoned by the tides. Sometimes the tide of grief wells up like an incoming tide, and sometimes it subsides. We can't always explain why it does and what it does, just that we are often at its whim. Emily also wrote this, Grief is the shadow love casts in the light of loss. The grander the love, the vaster the shadow. So much of who we are, who we discover ourselves to be, takes shape in that umbral space as we fumble for some edge to hold on to, some point of light to orient by. Because the price of living wholeheartedly, which is the only way worth living, is the heartbreak of many losses. This poem speaks to the shadow or the hole that loss leaves in our life. But its shape changes us, and as we try to find that light again, new things come. Grief deepens us. It anchors us firmly into what Buddhists call emptiness, impermanence, and it asks us to live fully, despite the fact that we will one day lose it all. Now let's talk about the physical effects of grief. According to goodtherapy.org, there are six Number one is heart problems. There's a special term called broken hearted syndrome to those with specific heart problems due to grief. 
there's a physiological manifestation of brokenhearted syndrome that happens especially after a loss. It's caused by a disruption in the blood being pumped to one section of the heart, and it mimics the effects of a heart attack, chest pain, shortness of breath, but it's temporary. If you have concerns about this, please consult with your doctor. Number two is lowered immunity. People are more susceptible to colds, flus, and other illnesses during a period of intense grieving. This is because in adults, grief can lower the immune system and they are less likely to produce types of white blood cells, which leave them more susceptible to infections. Number three is body aches and pains. And I have definitely felt this during periods of grief, just feeling more creaky. So grief can cause back pain, joint pain, headaches, stiffness, and the pain is caused really by an overwhelming amount of stress hormones being released during the grieving process. Number four, digestive issues. The digestive tract can be irritated more easily during times of grief. A person may have a loss of appetite. They might have nausea. They might feel like they are binge eating. They might even have irritable bowel syndrome. If you experience major digestive issues and they are not resolving, it's really important to talk to a licensed health professional. Number five, unhealthy coping mechanisms. So these include excessive alcohol or drugs. Others may engage in things like self-harming behavior or risky behavior, and they can have lasting harmful effects on the body and the brain. Number six is sleep problems and fatigue. Sleep disruption during grief can be especially frustrating. It can be debilitating to constantly feel sad and anxious and exhausted all at once. Insomnia can be a common occurrence in those who are grieving, but it really should only be temporary. Make sure to check out the Breathe Better episode on sleep and breathing. It'll help. All six of these, heart problems, lowered immunity, body aches and pains, digestive issues, unhealthy coping mechanisms, and sleep issues take a toll. And continuing the grieving process for a really long time, that generally increases a person's risk of long-term health problems. We often need a team of support such as doctors, therapists, movement specialists, yoga teachers, family and friends. They all have a role to play. All six of these physical effects of grief can also be helped and reduced by breathing techniques. The breath can be a huge ally in our healing process. Grief is healthy. If we don't allow for some energy to come up, it will get locked inside our bodies and ultimately create dis-ease. Here are six things we can do to help ourselves move through grief and sadness in a holistic and healthy way. This gives us the best chance at coming through the dark tunnel and out the other side and really moving on with our life changed by our experience for the better. Number one is eating healthy. And even though that's kind of a no brainer, people either lose their appetite and don't eat. And if they do eat, they may binge on sugar and caffeine. All those are in effect to really change our emotional state, which when we're grieving, we just really need to feel it and let it move. Number two is get good quality sleep. That's critical. And really get that sleep however you can. You might even find yourself needing extra sleep during this time. So if you're struggling to sleep well, you can also listen to my podcast on sleep and breathing. Number three, lean into acts of kindness. We stop thinking about me, ourselves, 
my problems, my issues, my grief, when we reach out and help others. It might seem very challenging at first, but stretching your hand out to help another person in need will help you to feel lighter, will help you feel better about yourself. And really, it's also quite a good distraction is what I found. Number four, celebrate even the small wins. So whenever you make time for yoga, breathing, healthy eating, you sleep well, make sure to celebrate. Those are big wins in a grieving person's life. Sometimes even just getting out of bed and making yourself a healthy smoothing, that is a huge win. A scientifically proven thing to work is create rewards. So let's say at the end of the week, you create a reward system. You set up goals for yourself at the beginning of the week, like you're going to practice yoga three times a week. You're going to do your breathing practice in the evening before you go to sleep. You're going to have a healthy smoothie three times a week get into bed before 11 o'clock each night, things like that. You set some reachable goals. And at the end of the week, you look back and you see how many of those goals you met and you reward yourself. Some things I've used are, I'll go down to the reflexology place down the street and I'll get my feet massaged. I also like to go out for a nice meal with a friend at my favorite place or a cozy night in doing my favorite hobby. Rewards truly help us keep the promises that we made to ourselves to support ourselves in our own healing process. Plus, it's much more empowering that way. Okay, number five is do yoga, get exercise, move your body. This is really key because sense grief is often stored in the body. And we know that one physical effect of grief is to stiffen, tighten, contract the body moving it's going to get the blood flowing it's going to release endorphins it's going to make your whole body feel more open and alive and you'll just feel more physically strong and capable to deal with whatever you're going through number six is breathe this cannot be overstated breath work is key when dealing with emotions as it can smooth out the edges of the uprising energy that keeps us in our body so we don't feel so ungrounded by them. We can name our feelings. We can send them off on each breath. We can watch how the emotions change as the breath continues. No feeling is final. That's a mantra I often repeated to myself as I was breathing. A woman named Valerie shared one time about dealing with her grief. She said, I sobbed and I wailed myself to sleep night after night, desperately praying for a solution to my grief and an end to the deeply dark sadness in my soul. I never could have guessed it would come in the form of something as simple as breathing and meditation. Science shows that the breath is powerful enough to change our physiological, our emotional, and our mental states. This has been shown in all kinds of scans, including brain scans. So we want to do the breathing practice and know that this holistic practice takes time. It takes the right types of practices and it takes patience and self-love. And eventually the breath work can help us ride the waves of grief and bring in a deeper acceptance and love for ourselves and others. Let's move on to the breathing practice for today. The first one that we'll do is called grief tapping, and then we will soothe our hearts and our nervous system with the wave breath. Let's head into the breathing room. 
Welcome to the breathing room. I'm Sienna Smith, and I'm going to lead you through two practices that really help with grief and sadness. The first one is called grief tapping, and then we will soothe our hearts and our nervous systems with the wave breath. Grief tapping, we tap our upper chest just underneath the outer edges of the collarbones above the crease of the armpit. This area is called the eyes of the heart. There are a lot of nerves that run through this area and we are stimulating the stuck energy to move. This area is also known as the grief points. So we'll tap this area for 30 to 40 seconds and then we'll breathe into this area for 30 to 60 seconds. Then the second breath we'll go into right after, which will be the wave breath. And we'll put one hand on our belly and one hand on our heart. And I'll guide you through when we're there. Let's begin. Sit up nice and tall and close your eyes. Place your hands in your lap or on top of your thighs. Begin to tune into the breath. Feel the breath just as it is. Feel the tenderness, the softness, and your willingness to receive this transmission that the breath is offering you. It's really important to give yourself time at the beginning of your practice to just be with the breath exactly as it is. Feeling the intelligence of the breath move through the body. Trusting it knows exactly what it's doing. Now slowly bring your hands up and find the rim of your collarbone. Start at the center near the throat and slide your fingers to about three quarters of the way towards the outer edges. Then bring your fingertips down about a half an inch and you should land at the little eyes or indents of the eyes of the heart. And now we're going to start tapping for 30 to 40 seconds. Ready? Begin with your finger pads. Just start tapping. And you can tap lightly if it feels very sensitive and vulnerable and tender, or you can tap a little more vigorously. And five, four, three, two, and one. Now release your hands to your lap and I want you to take a deep breath right into that spot that you are tapping. What do you notice? Relax your belly. Soften the heart. Allow the breath to flow. It knows exactly where to go. Now let's do another round. Bring your fingertips up and softly begin to tap. You can begin to move your fingertips along the rim of the collarbones. 
Let the breath be natural and focus on the tapping of the fingers. And five, four, three, two, and one. Release your hands to your lap. Take a nice, slow, deep breath. Fill your heart, your lungs, expand your chest, soften your belly, and experience the breath flowing into areas that might have been gripping or stuck. Relax your shoulders. Soften your jaw and your face. Just breathe and feel. So we're going to do that one more time. Ready? Bring your fingertips up. Begin to tap softly lightly and five four three two and one release the hands to the lap take a deep breath Expand the chest, relax the belly, soften the eyes, allow the breath to flow. Any energy or emotions that arise, try to take a step back and watch them flow through you. They will change. If they feel stuck, then don't force your body to open. Just be with the contraction or the resistance or whatever you're noticing. The last thing you want to do is to judge and assess and be harsh with yourself. Your body is your ally. Your breath is your friend. Now let's move into the wave breath. Bring your right hand to your belly and your left hand to your heart. Soften your belly. And this breath is going to be about five to second inhale, five to second exhale. You can count if you wish to yourself or find the rhythm that's best for you. Basically, you're gonna start the breath by moving the diaphragm down and that's what's gonna move the belly. And then you'll feel the breath, expand the lungs and your chest will start to move slightly as well. So from belly, to chest on the inhale and then on the exhale both hands will descend evenly ready let's begin take a nice deep inhale feel the hand on the belly move first and then the hand on the chest move next then a long slow exhale both hands coming down evenly again inhale belly chest then long, slow exhale. Now, ideally the belly hand is moving a little bit more than the chest hand. We don't want to encourage too much chest breathing. 
we want to emphasize more of the belly breathing, which is the diaphragmatic breath. You want the breath to feel like a smooth, even wave. It's coming up from the bottom. It's anchored to the earth. It's spreading out horizontally, and then it's making its way up to the chest and the heart area. Then the exhale is the same length as your shoulders and your eyes and your jaw relax. See your body as a vessel filling from the bottom to the top on the inhale and then draining out slowly. Continue for four to five more breaths, ideally practicing the wave breath for anywhere from three to five minutes. If feelings start to arise, try to stay with your focus on the breath. Let the energy and emotions move through you. One more wave breath. Filling your heart with as much acceptance and love as you can. Then taking a slow exhale, peaceful exhale. And now release the breathing technique and notice what's happening now. Be curious, open-minded, receptive. I love these lines from a poem from Jeff Foster. He says, a new life will be built from today. Out of the rubble of the old, through cleansing tears you awaken, no other past was possible. So as we breathe and make space for a brighter future, we hold ourselves and honor our process in the meantime. And we know that Everything is for a reason. We trust that we can handle and cope with anything that arises. Thank you for joining me today. This is the Breathe Better podcast, and I would love for you to join me in my upcoming breathing course, Alleviate Stress and Anxiety in Six Weeks. And the launch is happening really soon. So go to the website, siennasmith.com, and click on Breathing Course. And for being one of my beloved podcast listeners, you're going to get 30% off. So use code BREATHE30, B-R-E-A-T-H-E 30, and you'll get a discount just for being one of my valued listeners. And I really look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take care.